Hello and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I am Laura. And we're back. Sorry we didn't have an episode last week. We got really busy. I got sick and we just could never get a time together. And the timing was also weird with the NHL. Yeah. NHL schedule playoffs, even though they're still having some regular season games, which is stupid. Um, A lot happened, so we have a lot to discuss. And I have surprisingly a lot of MLB things that I didn't realize all of this had happened. And it's not in any kind of great order, so we're kind of going to be jumping around. And I'm also going to try not to talk too fast because there's a lot of information, and I know I do that when there's a lot. I also have to say the one thing I do like about our order, we are ending very strong. Like, yes, whatever rants and stuff, it, it ends pretty epically. So just yeah. hang around for that. <laughs> um, so first thing, a lot of um, the things I find are from the athletics. So usually that's what I'm going to be referencing. Um, one of the first things to talk about is Joe Posnanski does a uh, like a weekly thing. Um, I guess it starts Fridays. I've never actually read these until now, but um, and he also has a podcast on the Athletic. If you don't know, he does it with uh, Mike Sure, who, who like created The Office and The Good Place and all that stuff. There are so many good podcasts on the Athletic Network. Truly. You definitely, and, and you can listen to them on iTunes, even if you don't. You have to listen to some ads, but you can still listen to them. Mm-hmm. So definitely, if you have some of your favorite writers and aren't at the Athletic and you can't, you don't, you don't have the money right now, the podcasts are a great way to get some good information. Right. They should sponsor us for that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <The> promo code. <laughs> Um, and so he was talking about um, a bunch of different things, but in um, the beginning of his article, he was talking about um, how we know the baseballs were changed this year and they basically prepared everyone that offense would be reduced, which I feel like we've noticed, but I haven't like really realized how much. And I think um, what he mentioned too was the fact that there have been four no hitters. Uh, five if you count Bumgarner's somewhat no hitter if you want to count that um, but four true nine innings of no hit baseball um, which is a lot for the first two months and the interesting thing I found was all of them have had except for Bumgarner's but the four true nine innings no hitters have been at AL ballparks, which means AL rules, which means DHs, which I would think it'd be easier to get a no-hitter in NL ballparks because pitchers are guaranteed outs most of the time. So I thought that was interesting. But um, Cleveland has had two no-hitters pitched against them. They almost handed Seattle their second no-hitter pitched against them this past weekend, um, which I thought was interesting because I also feel like not often do teams get no hit twice let alone twice in one season that just started um but the thing that he like mentioned is strikeouts have gone up which they've consistently gone up the last few years just because players don't really care about them that stat as much anymore as like years even like 10 years ago like striking out was not good but now it's I mean they don't seem to really care um and then uh, he was saying like the tiniest 
change, meaning the baseball, um, has like extreme effects. And one article he referenced was from Fangraphs, um, and they were taught they did a good comparison of like um, uh, balls that had exit velocity of 100 to 104 and a launch angle between 20 and 24 degrees, which is all very technical, and I could not even point out a ball that's a 20 degree launch angle versus like 60 like I it's very like stat stuff that I'm like nah, sure just tell me what it is um but he compared that from April of this season and then April 2019 because that was the last full season and in 2019 60 percent of those balls were home runs do you want to guess how many are this were this year hmm. what percentage no that's a good question uh 25% oh wow so it went down pretty drastically yeah. um and especially compared to like 2019 they were hitting a lot cuz the ball was juiced but still well but that's so that's an interesting thing cuz as you were talking about that I was reminding myself in my head a thing that, I don't know if it's a rant but something I've always had because for a while it was always like strikeouts are the worst things ever. You can't strike yeah. out. You can't strike out. And then finally someone put it together of like, if we look at the batting averages and if you <laughs> think base hits, you have to string them together to get runs. Even if you do like op- uh, on base percentage or something like that, you start looking at it and you're like, um, the probability of stringing them together in a row such that you get a run isn't that likely so the risk reward of strikeout home run is way better but then it's like okay we're increasing strikeouts and decreasing home runs that seems to not be great yeah not great and um the other thing and I don't really know if it was in the fan graphs I think it was in the fan graphs article um but they were saying that the players that are striking out uh more they're also less likely to get hits when they put the ball in play because with the launch angle, like the balls obviously aren't carrying as well. So they're uh, basically dying in the air and makes it easier for fielders to catch. So therefore they're also not getting hits when they're somewhat putting the ball in play. Um, One thing I thought was interesting is they said that like this year, the baseballs aren't carrying well, but apparently they're bouncier which I kind of feel like the limited Ranger games that I've watched, I have noticed like some, some baseballs do kind of like dribble out of the infield and like kind of seem like they could be caught. I should have looked up to see if like errors are higher because I feel like if a ball is bouncier, then that would be a thing that also goes up. Um, And then they said 14 different pitchers have gone at least seven innings and allowed just one hit. I can't tell if that's like significant or not. Cause I almost feel like 14 different pitchers in the span of two months really isn't that much. If you think about every team has five starters, that's really what, like almost three teams worth of pitchers. So, I, I mean, I, they didn't have a comparison. If it was like compared to like four pitchers last year or something, then I could have mm-hmm. like understood that better. But they also said that OPS is the lowest it's been in 20 years, which OPS is on base plus slugging, which is like better metric to look at than average. Um, well, okay, so, so you, you're saying, 
hockey Twitter annoyance when people just tweet mm-hmm. out random numbers and don't contextualize them and huh. they're like lol with the number and you're like what does that even mean right there's this one guy who charts really well and he does like he does quadrants and he always labels the quadrants so it's like good exciting bad oh, yeah fun, like something like that and and it makes it so much better because then right? I can kind of piece together what the things are saying but if you yeah. just put a number out there, a chart out there, most of us don't know what you're saying. Exactly. Like I need context to what you're telling me if it's good or bad. Because like 14 pitchers taking or going at least seven innings and allowing just one hit. I mean, yeah, that's significant because you really only expect at least six innings from your pitcher. And even then you expect like four or five hits at like probably average. So I guess that is a lot, but I don't have anything that to compare that to. So um, the other big thing that happened is Albert Pujols was released from the Angels. He played 20. This is his final season of his contract with the Angels. He signed a 10 year, $240 million contract. This was the final year of that contract. And he played 29 games and they decided okay why did they release him and not just let him play out the last year so the it sounds like there was some conflict because he was no longer going to be an everyday player because his defense has gone down I mean his offense has gone down because he's he's just older older and so they told they it sounded like they basically told him he would be more of a bench player now because they, Shohei Otani can DH. They have a first baseman. He doesn't play third anymore. He can't really run that well either because he's old in baseball terms. And so it sounded like the disagreement was mostly that he did not want to be an everyday bench player. And so they were like, then we'll release you. The thing is, my first thought was, okay, they released him. He's going to go back to the Cardinals because that's like the team he was with forever. And that was the only thing that really made sense because I couldn't see any other team really needing him. Uh, But then the Dodgers signed him, which is really bizarre because I thought if it wasn't going to be the Cardinals, it's going to be an AL team because DH. So then it's a team who doesn't have a DH and has a first baseman. So it just seems like he signed a deal to have the exact same position he had with the Angels. But yeah, it's even worse because there's no even potential of possibly being a DH one game maybe. Yeah, exactly. Except if they play an interleague game at an AL ballpark and then maybe. Which is like, okay, we're that's that's my plan. Like, I don't know that anyone says that. And it is like, okay, if you just wanted one that's like maybe pinch hit every now and again or something. I mean, did the Cardinals not have like this roster space? Because it wouldn't be money because he wouldn't ask for it. Like, it just seems like the Cardinals would at least be a better fit. Right? At least the Cardinals, it would be like, oh, he's coming back to his to his team and like... Well, and then it would be like his known, like, swan song kind of thing. Yeah. And I know that the fans would get hyped. Exactly. Um, It just feels like he just... I don't know if, like, going to the Dodgers was more of like a I'll show the angels like I'm in the same city kind of a thing or so his family doesn't have to move maybe I guess yeah the interesting thing is like it became official today we're recording Monday but like I still haven't seen like what the deal is because he should still be getting the 24 million from the angels left and then whatever the Dodgers are paying him 
which is a great deal for him. Okay. But I would love to know what the deal is. $24 million contextualized, the highest paid NHL player, <laughs> and like had a, the best season since Wayne Gretzky, makes half that. <laughs> Completely different. So when you talk about cheap contracts in the MLB, it's so funny because right? it's not even the same thing. Well, like, I mean, $24 million is a lot, I feel like, in, in, for a non-pitcher. Uh, I just don't see why if the the Angels knew going into the season they weren't really going to have a spot for him, why not release him before the season started? Yeah, this the whole thing just – it feels like there's a hole behind the scenes, like what all happened that would be yeah. fascinating. Like someone could write the oral history of releasing Albert Pujols and it would be fascinating. Right. Um, also, like – a lot of the issue I saw from like for a lot of former players, mostly like they were kind of mad with how he was released. Cause like, obviously when he was released, I was like, what team is going to sign him? Like it kind of just felt like he was done. And that's not a way like his career should end. Cause like he is a future hall of famer, even though that hurts to say, cause he is from the Cardinals and I strongly dislike them. And he was on a certain uh, world series team. So I don't really have that connection with him of like, oh yeah, he's great because my only memory of him is like ruining my hopes and dreams. Uh, so I guess it's nice that he gets to at least finish out maybe his last season. Um, but weird, just bizarre. Um, you know what the other thing too? Like even the, if you return to the Cardinals just to like have like two pinch hit at bats in the entire season. Mm-hmm. If you that to then like transition to have like a management or like yeah. behind the scenes player development some kind of retirement role that could be really cool yeah and I'm that's also what I'm surprised didn't happen because like a lot of teams do that like they sign someone like that and then they play like a couple games and then it's like okay well you want to be in our front office now and do stuff with us like I think that would be really beneficial that's him. how like Martin Broder became he's he he's with the blues. Yeah. Like he's a devil. Everyone knows he's a devil. He played like a few games with the blues, but then now he's in their like front office. Yeah. Uh Ian Kinsler was with the Padres for like a season and then they got Profar and basically got Profar to take over for Kinsler, which that kind of sucks because that's what happened in Texas when they were both here. Um and then instead of having him, like releasing him, he just moved to their front office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's still there because I think he had another year on his contract. I think the Yankees, I think, did that with A-Rod in his final season, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, apparently he's playing for the Dodgers tonight. So I don't he's sorry. He'll be in uniform for the Dodgers tonight. I don't know if he's going to actually be playing. I'm sure they'll probably give him like a one-off you can play first base tonight kind of a thing every once in a while maybe yeah but he's not gonna be the regular player that it sounds like he wants to be which that like time is undefeated (laughs) yeah the 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 answer to this like yeah there is never a time where there's never a time I just that's gonna be redundant all over again (laughs) it's just it's that's how the cookie crumbles it's always gonna be like that um, so next story, uh, the 
And this one is weird to me because I legitimately just got the notification about this story. Um, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday. So I thought it was something super recent. Apparently it happened like May 3rd, um, which I guess is a week later. But anyway, um, MLBPA was silent on one uh, on a uh, press release that included nine other U.S. sports unions talking about um, it was a joint statement expressing their opposition to legislative efforts in certain states to restrict the right to vote. MLBPA was not one of those nine major sports unions. Um, The it was NBA. Wait, yeah. National Basketball Players Association, the Basketball Players Union, Major League Soccer Player Association, National Football League Players Association, and the United States Women's National Team Players Association, along with players' bodies represent players' bodies representing elite level women's ice hockey, soccer, and basketball. That was a weird paragraph to read, but that was from Reuters, not me. Um, I'm guessing for the hockey thing, it's like the professional hockey or. PHWPA or wherever the like they're not playing right now union of women's players and so since there's not a good way to describe it that's how they kind of just they just say with players bodies representing elite level women's ice hockey soccer and basketball which just sounds like words thrown together right but Um. (laughs) that's the first time I read it out loud which made it even worse um so the biggest issue to me is that, first of all, why wouldn't you just add yourself to the list when you have like the NFL and the NBA also doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised NHL is not on that list. Right. I'm not, but yeah, I, I guess I'm surprised that MLB PA is getting more flack for it. No, I'm not. Okay, just ignore that whole. I'm not surprised. <laughs> we want to observe these things as truths <laughs> while also saying that they're not that surprising. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason why it's such a big conversation for MLB is because they literally just pulled the All Star game from Atlanta because of this. Um, by the way, this, uh, the um, release was not just about Georgia it was also about Texas and Arizona and other states um so that's why they all joined and it was like why didn't you do this last month when all-star game pulled out but anyway so it, it just feels like why would you not add your name to this after MLB just kind of condemned it a month ago anyway like it'd be one thing if they didn't do it because like Rob Manfred would pro- would get mad about it. But Rob Man- Manfred was literally the one who decided to pull out, pull the all-star game out of Georgia for that reason. Um, the other thing I think people might be confusing is um, the players Alliance and the MLBPA are not the same thing. The MLBPA also did not release any kind of statement after Manfred pulled the all-star game. The Players Alliance did. Um, and the Players Alliance is a nonprofit formed last summer to increase Black participation in all levels of the sport. They had strongly condemned the uh, Georgia legislation last month. So I think some people are remembering that and thinking that was part of the MLBPA doing, and they just didn't have a comment for that either. So it 
they do knowing need to, that it makes sense they do need to name better than because ha- i can't have the same initials as the pa players alliance yeah it, it, mlbpa it, yeah it gets a little confusing i yeah. i understand where people are getting confused on that cause right because at little- first because at first when i got the notification i was like why would the mlbpa not say anything after last month they were so like outspoken and I was like wait a second that's two different things yeah um but then the other thing that makes it we like I would this was an athletic article as well I believe um yeah Ken, Ken Rosenthal wrote about it the other thing that makes their silence a little weird is that it's not like it would be the first time that the MLBPA has released a statement about something like this um two of their most recent statements um, they had a press release supporting Amazon workers um, wanting to unionize. Yeah. And then um, Tony Clark, who is the executive director of the MLBPA, he uh, specifically wrote a statement that was published on the MLBPA after uh, Chauvin was found guilty. So like they've spoken out on things that aren't necessarily baseball related slash stick to sports-esque so then being not part of this kind of a statement it just feels like something easy they could have done like just slap your name bizarre. on it. like even if they're if they're like uh, this could like I feel like it should have been an easy decision for them to make because they have the cushion of nine other unions also joining it yeah and yeah this just seems puzzling yeah, it's kind of like how when uh, Sagan and Dickinson were the only ones to kneel along, it's like you the other players could have done it too because you had the cushion of four other big name-ish players kneeling. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you just add your name to the list? <laughs> it is. It's, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm speechless almost. Um, next thing that I don't know a lot about, but it felt worth noting is that, um, Oakland A's might be moving out of Oakland. Um, this has been like a thing, an issue for like a couple years now because they want a new ballpark because their ballpark is, doesn't have the greatest of reputations as far as like structure and bathroom issues, apparently that they have a lot and pipes bursting and such. Um, but last week, there was, like, a leaked document or whatever that MLB suggested they should start looking for relocations because they're still waiting for their proposal for a new ballpark to be approved by council members. And I feel like they've been waiting in limbo for that for, like, years now. Yeah. And the, th- the thing that sucks is, like, yeah, that ballpark they're at right now is not great, but, like, that is a freaking fun fan base. And I would hate to see another team leave Oakland because like there were times at first where I was like God, athletic games sound so annoying because you have the yelling fans they have drums but then like you really start to appreciate that and like the fun atmosphere especially when they make it to playoffs and like that I feel like if they move they're gonna obviously lose a lot of fans and it's just not gonna be the same and I feel like the athletics have a lot going for them in Oakland. Like, question. Yes. Could this be at all like a position to try to get like the city to pay for uh, 
stadium or something like kind of threatening to leave because that's definitely a tactic oh. that I've heard used before yeah for sure I think there is definitely a tactic about this um it's just weird because like I don't want to see them move and also in my mind I'm like okay if they move the the cities that they listed were like LA or Las Vegas is a front runner Vancouver, Portland, Nashville, Charlotte, and Montreal could be other possibilities. And, like, as someone whose team is in the AL West, I'm like, please don't move them out and, like, have the – because I like how the divisions are all five teams. It's easy to keep track of. So if you move them out of the AL West, then you screw that up. But I just – like, and also I don't know how Montreal would work because they've tried that and they got rid of the team but I feel like they would have a good fan base for it. It does seem silly, though, when it's like, hey, we moved the team, so let's bring a team back. Right. Like, I hope that they did that with Minnesota, but that there was a lot of ownership stuff going on there. Yeah. It was a little more complicated. This isn't bad, so I don't really get it. Right. Um, I, I just feel like in Oakland works because then you get that rivalry with San Francisco. Yeah. Which is fun. I just like moving them to Las Vegas just sounds too flashy, but I, I like, Las I Vegas, it feels like a, a trend thing. Cause the yeah. hockey did it. Then the next year football did it. Then it's like, Oh, we better be there. Right. And then Portland just feels like too close to Seattle, Vancouver. That's a long flight for all the other teams. I could see Nashville. Maybe I just don't know how you fit them into the east personally i never thought i would care this much but i really hope they stay in oakland yeah because also i feel like the their green and yellow uniforms just fit oakland like oakland not the athletics if it's oakland athletics like if you move them to nashville i feel like that doesn't read right and I, that sounds weird but yeah. i don't know i just like it fit it has an atmosphere and like I don't know. It just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is very puzzling. I just have to say that's kind of how, where I'm at. It's just yeah. Really- and it's a long article on The Athletic, which is why I know the bare bones of it, because I also, they're not my team and it's been something going on for years. Yep. Um, next, almost done. Uh, but first, surprise, surprise, we have to talk about a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, but it's actually not awful. Uh, so first, it was the Yankees. And they were all breakthrough cases, which means they'd all been vaccinated. Um, if you remember, they were one of the four teams I talked about last episode that hit the 85% threshold plus the two weeks after. Um, this, I think they said, started May 9th. So whenever that was, it's May 17th, um, right now. So it was eight positive cases. I think I, I watched a video on Instagram from an epidemiologist. She said nine. I've only seen eight. I'm going with eight just because that's what the athletic told me and Mm -hmm. they're sports people. So I feel like as far as numbers of coaches and players, they're the ones to follow. Um, But it was eight positive cases. They were all fully vaccinated. Uh, Three coaches, one player, and four 
support staff. Um, seven of the eight were initially asymptomatic, and then the eighth one, like, eventually became asymptomatic. Uh, I It should be noted, because I'm sure this is being used for, like, anti-vax fodder. Oh, my God, look how many people got vaccinated, and they still, they had the J&J vaccine, which had a far less efficacy than Moderna and Pfizer, which means more likely to have breakthrough cases. And I would also say most people, when they're offered a vaccine, far and away, Moderna and Pfizer have been administered to more people. It sounds like they only got the J&J because I think that's what Yankee Stadium is also giving. Yeah, and I know like the Flyers did a vaccine Mm -hmm. event and they had J&J. So I think when they do those like offshoot events, that maybe where J&J is going because then you don't have to arrange the follow-up. Right. Um, and also not to say like the J and J vaccine is a lesser vaccine. It's just that like their efficacy is 66.7%, whereas like Pfizer and Moderna were like 96%. So you're more likely to get it, but you're not going to go into the hospital or die. The other thing too, I think to say is we're at the point where you have more options now. There's more vaccine availability. Like there's more vacancies than there are people. Mm-hmm. so you do have a little bit more control so it's just something to consider but there's also side effects and then if you know you're going to have a hard time getting the follow-up vaccine J&J offers you a one shot right so it's just all that to say we're not saying don't get like we're saying get a vaccine and then make the best decision for yourself right based on what you have it's a just know that like you could get any of the vaccines and still possibly test positive for COVID but like you'll have a better outcome because you're vaccinated. And the J&J even, I think, like when you talk about symptoms and then even like having the vaccine, but then passing it on, mm-hmm. I think their numbers are in the 90s too for that. Yeah, that was the other thing is that um, in the video I watched, um, her name is, I believe her Instagram is Dr. Cat Epidemiologist. Um, she was talking about even with J&J, like you're far less likely to have the secondary uh, transmission. Meaning my understanding was like all of these people, all of these uh, players and coaches um, and staff came in contact with like one person that had COVID and they all got it from the same person. It wasn't like the player had it, then he saw the coach, the coach had it, then he saw that person. Like they all like went down a row and transmitted it. It was like they all had been around the one person and they all got it from that one person. If that makes sense. It wasn't like, that's why they were still able to play games while they were quarantined because they have to be quarantined for 10 days um, per MLB rules. Um, or, uh, like the seven that were asymptomatic the whole time, um, after testing negative twice, they're done with their quarantine, but that's why, like, they didn't just shut down the whole team after eight players, like we saw last season. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, more recently the Padres had a similar thing, but different because we don't know if they were vaccinated, last day uh they put five players on their covid all asymptomatic it sounds like only two of them tested positive and then three were like put on the i on the covid il because of contact tracing um which that confused me because i'm like well technically wouldn't contract contract tracing 
go with the whole team if that's the only like reasoning that you put them on that yeah and I do know they're supposed to loosen that with the vaccine because then it's more possible to have contact and not yeah um and the Padres are not one of the teams that are 85% vaccinated yet um when they had to announce that they put players on COVID IL they said they were only a few a couple quote couple players away from that threshold um but again like three were contact traced and they only have to quarantine for seven days the two that tested positive are 10 days um they didn't release if those five if the five were vaccinated or not so Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they were if they were all asymptomatic yeah that would make Um, sense Next is something that I did not see at all anywhere until I opened up The Athletic yesterday. I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. So um, once again, MLB PA uh, filed a $500 million grievance against MLB. Um, And they filed it in early May. So they filed a grievance worth half a billion dollars. Um, quote, alleging MLB did not act in good faith when it set a schedule for 2020. Um, They said the union believes the league chose to play fewer games than it could have and thereby unduly reduced player schedules. Because remember, they were only being, uh, their salaries were, uh, what's the word, fixed for just 60 games rather than the 162. Mm -hmm. Like prorated. Um, Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. so MLB's counterclaim is that uh, 60 games was necessary maximum for health and safety, which I'm kind of on the MLB side of this, uh, just because whatever. Um, so they also said the grievance didn't uh, say, they didn't specify how many games they thought they should have played. Uh, based on like the vague thing they wrote, that didn't again context didn't really make sense to me it sounded like um based on math that I did in my head that they thought they should play 80 games because the only thing that said they said was um 100 million amounts to somewhere in the vicinity of 20 days of league-wide pay at an estimated clip of 25 million per day I just took those 20 days and added it to 60 games and got 80 games and that's what I'm figuring they thought they should play um which makes sense because that would be about half a season Mm -hmm. um so it should also be noted that the cba expires this year in six months december 1st uh why did i forget what that stood for collective bargaining agreement thank you i was like why did i just write cba thinking my fact that i know that that. is a testament (laughs) to how crappy the nhl is (laughs) It's the only reason I know that. Um, right. So again, this was like a really long article and I didn't want to get into like the super nitty gritty because it kind of sounds very much like how arbitration works where like it could go somewhere, but it probably won't and they'll come to an agreement. Um, it seems like it's kind of in their best interest for both sides to come to agreement before December. And I think it kind of will, especially since this kind of flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. and no one was talking about it I'm kind of assuming and I'm kind of assuming MLB is gonna win even if it however that works because I mean it was for health and safety reasons and we were in a global pandemic and I feel like the 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 league usually in these kind of disputes is always yeah. at the better yeah 
at her like advantage right um final mlb thing and it's a petty thing so of course i enjoyed it uh nick castellanos with the reds was in the news this weekend because he was amazing so dan (laughs) yes so uh in april just for context and background he was suspended for two games because he quote instigated a benches clearing um incident when he scored on a wild pitch and then like he popped up and the pitcher was on the ground he basically like yelled at the pitcher and it was like he was pumped but clearly the other team was not um so then on i get i think it was friday's game uh he hit a two-run uh, game tying homer in the third inning and then after he fist bumped a fan. So, of course, everyone's like, well, wh- wh- who's that? Why did he fist bump? So, at the end of the game, instead of him explaining it, he gave the headset to the fan to explain. And the fan said, I told Nick he should imagine Rob Manfred's face on a baseball. And the next thing is he hit the home run on the first pitch. <laughs> Which I love it. Is incredible. And the fact that, uh, Cassianos was also in the shot when the fan was telling the story and he's just standing there with his arms crossed like yeah I know what he's saying I can't hear what anything else is being said but I I this is it was it, the look on his face was kind of like I couldn't say this because I'd probably get fined um so I'm gonna let the fan say it and I agree with everything he said um I do kind of wonder if he still can somehow in a roundabout way get fined for it. If he can, I, I feel like if we have, I haven't heard that he got fined yet. I feel like they would have fined him if they could found a way. But right. I also feel like a few weeks from now, he's going to get fined for, like, watch him get fined for the dumb protocol that they haven't enforced on anyone else. Yeah. And them to be like, you broke these five protocols. So that's a hundred grand or something. Right. I'm sure it's probably a fine the fact that he was wearing like the headset with the mic and then handed it to someone else before it was disinfected. I'm sure that's probably a fine. Um, And also, I think if he does get fined, he should just pay it in pennies like uh, Ron Washington did for the Rangers um, like 10 years ago or whatever. That's like a story is like he, he got fined for something and he paid it all in pennies, which I think is like the pettiest, greatest moment. Um. So if he does get fined, I think he should do that. Or I'm sure someone else would like, like fans would probably do a GoFundMe and pay it for themselves or something. He should just do the, like, and do a GoFundMe and say like, I'm paying the fine, but then let's like raise, let's try to raise a hundred grand for some charity. Yeah. Ooh, I could see that. Um, but yeah, I do have another uh, baseball thing, but that's going to be my rant. So we're going to save it. Sounds good. <laughs> So we've got hockey and I'm saving the, just a preview for my rant, I'm saving the whatever the heck is going on in Canada for my rant (laughs) section because I have things to say. So hockey, we're just going to, we're going to climb the corporate ladder in the sense of we're going to do playoff previews for each of the divisions. And so um, we will start with the Honda West division. Colorado St. Louis that's the one four matchup kicks off tonight I think this is the one that most people have as the most lopsided um they really think Colorado is just in a much better position and when you look at the teams and how they perform this season that certainly makes sense I think the fact the difference between St. Louis and Minnesota is why it was so important to Colorado and Vegas to like they really tried to secure that first seed mm-hmm. 
because I really think it's going to be to Colorado's advantage. And we already saw that because the second matchup is Vegas, Minnesota, and Vegas lost in overtime. Mark Andre Fleury did absolutely everything he could to try to win the game and did not, like, I literally mean everything because it went to overtime 0 0 and Minnesota won it, won nothing in overtime. And so obviously that's pretty solid goaltending performance and uh but Cam Talbot too I was telling mom my mom that the the least climactic thing was when they did the three stars because when you have a one uh, nothing overtime game your three stars are pretty self-explanatory yeah. whoever got the overtime goal and the two goalies exactly like who else could it be right just like some <laughs> guy who got a penalty hey yeah like you did a twirl on the ice like that's pretty cool like you didn't fall down good job like so I guess if someone made like like there was one where a guy like blocked with his body like if a guy had a good chop block or something Mm -hmm. I guess but for the most part you can just take it to the bank and Cam Talbot did have a really great night because Minnesota got wildly outshot see what I did there (laughs) <laughs> did not mean to do that that was a pun I did not mean to do but um anyways that's your Honda West division I'm gonna I think Morgan your commentary would be go avalanche yes very much so and then Vegas Colorado I don't really care who wins I kind of pr- like both teams I feel like it'd be fun. I really so I love Minnesota and so part of me really wants Minnesota to win because Kirill Kaprizov if you haven't watched him play it's not just that he's amazing because he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. He's always smiling and just has this, like, he always seems like he's having such a great time playing yeah. hockey. And that's really, like, contagious. Yeah. Also want to point out that um, I am in love with Joel Erickson X because <laughs> he won me a t-shirt because <laughs> he was the one who got the overtime goal and I predicted that and if you are on hockey twitter you know about Bucci's overtime challenge and not only did I win there because there were 300 of us that about 300 of us that predicted that and he picks 10 to retweet and I was one of the 10 nice. so pretty exciting on that awesome. so one of the first love a free time, t-shirt <laughs> it's also uh one of the first times I think I've gotten it right I usually yeah. just do that for fun but it's pretty cool um Next. I also feel like I can't root for Minnesota just as a Stars fan. Yeah, the whole Stars. I think Minnesota hates Dallas more than Dallas hates Minnesota. True, very true. I That's think the vibe I get. Yeah, I think Stars are more like, Haha, you're mad at us and we kind of enjoy that. It, yeah. We get under their skin kind of a thing. Stay pressed kind of yeah. thing. I, but I think like while I like Minnesota and really love their team and like Caprizov mm-hmm. and that, Vegas. Colorado would just be such an epic matchup like yeah that's what I'm thinking arguably you could argue they're the two best teams like Carolina certainly has a case and a couple other teams but you could reasonably make a case that Colorado Vegas are the two best teams in the entire league yeah so getting that matchup even if it's too early it would be really cool yeah next in the Scotian North Division we have Toronto Montreal Edmonton Winnipeg um Toronto Montreal Montreal has been a bit all over the place this season um I could see someone like Tyler Toffoli who's been a little like fits and spurts this kind of thing this kind of season uh I could see him really breaking out also there's the whole Carey Price factor where he has such a mediocre season and then turns on god mode in the playoffs (laughs) um but 
Toronto is just the stacked team, the more stacked team there are coming back from injury and stuff like that. And without having any salary cap limitations in the playoffs, their lineup is so amazing. Like their fourth line, I think, is something like Thornton, Spezza, Simmons, mm-hmm. which like the cumulative experience of that line. I was going to say that is like, like your the average, team dad line. Your average grind it out fourth line is going to yeah. have such a hard time just getting the puck from them yeah so, I, I I really like Toronto in this series um their defense is so much better um Bogosian might be coming back which I think he's really good for them for the playoffs he had a good season for them in general but I think him as a kind of tough sturdy third pair defenseman is really good for them for the playoffs but I definitely I think I have Toronto pretty handily and yeah. Actually, though, I think that one might be closer than Edmonton, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Winnipeg. They're like imploding. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like they they were competing with Toronto for second place. And now they're like solidly in third place. And Edmonton, meanwhile, Connor McDavid has just decided like he's going to make an absolute joke out of this entire league. <laughs> yeah. And so like era adjusted. I, I read this stat. So area adjusted points, it's a, it's a mathematical thing. Like people think it's some kind of like art, like formula that you're making up the era. No, basically it looks at like the percentages. So it looks at like Wayne Gretzky scored this percentage of the goals that season versus Connor McDavid scored this percentage of the goals and like looks at that and then averages it out and like adjusts it so that all are on the same basis. Mm-hmm. So instead of pure goals, it's looking at like how you fit, like trying to more standardize it, kind of like what you do with inflation, but yeah. a whole lot more fun. His is the best, Connor McDavid's season this season is the best season on record since the invention of the forward pass in hockey, which is in like the 20s. So definitely pre Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. So he just absolutely annihilated the league this season and I think honestly if any if it's not unanimous for first place for the Hart Trophy whoever Mm -hmm. doesn't vote for that should lose their vote like the Professional Hockey Writers Association should yank their vote because they they literally should it's like in the Senate or the House when the the vote is so obvious that they're like can everyone just say it aloud and we don't have to go through the charade like they just shouldn't need to go through the charade yeah so obvious which means NHL will find a way to. There'll be somebody up. who's like, he's not Wayne Gretzky. This happens. I'm a Creighton fan. And Doug <laughs> McDermott was a senior and he had the most amazing basketball season ever. And everyone was like, he, he locked it up like halfway through the season being player of the year. And one guy didn't vote for him. And he said, I didn't vote for him because. I was looking through the history and no one's gotten a unanimous vote and Doug wasn't better than some of the people who didn't get unanimous votes. And Morgan is like closing her eyes, breathing in, trying not uh, to get turned. So someone's going to write a think piece about how he's not Wayne Gretzky. So he hasn't earned the unanimous, something stupid. That is the dumbest. And the funny thing was, is he tried to make it out. Like that was the reason he was a writer from Louisville and he wrote it, wrote, voted for 
the Louisville player who didn't even finish second. The guy who, if he, the guy who finished second was from Duke. If he'd have voted for that guy, maybe I could believe his, he had his dumb reason. And it's still yeah. wrong and dumb, but it's like, you just wanted to vote for your guy and you didn't yeah. even care. And you needed to justify it. Because there was literally no justification. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's kind of a similar thing. Like, go ahead and yank the credential of whoever yeah. doesn't vote for Connor. Next, the Mass Mutual East Division, Pittsburgh Islanders first. Pittsburgh is one. And of course, Pittsburgh, okay, I feel better about this series than I did last year or the year before, uh-huh. both of which Pittsburgh lost. However, <laughs> Pittsburgh played better than New York. I think uh-huh. anyone who watched that game could see that Pittsburgh is the better team with the higher ceiling and all of that. Tristan Jari just has to figure out how to be a good goalie again. Because <laughs> the three, they, they, they lost four, three in overtime. All three of the shots that Jari let up in regulation were from so far away and they weren't screened. He could see the oh. shot. And I'm like, and I don't even think any of them were deflected. So I'm yeah. like, how can you give up three goals like that? That's yeah. so unforgivable. Like, come on, dude. And so, but Pittsburgh dominates. So all of the others, and goaltending is voodoo. Like we've established yeah. that. So it's just like, I feel so, I'm with so much more, is upsetting in the moment, but yeah, it's like, what can you do? And our, our backup goalie who's been good all year is hurt. So that's not even an option. We would have to play Maxime Legacy, who, to be fair, is leading the league, uh, leading the pens in goals against average because he played one game, the game that did not matter, and he had a shutout. So, um, but I don't think that's enough of a sample size to have him replace Tristan Jari because he's been a career AHL goalie. But the next game, this, uh, this team is playing tonight, and I am so hyped for this series is fun. Uh, Washington, Boston. Um, so Ilya Samsonov, Washington's goalie is hurt. So they're playing, they were playing their backup who hmm. had a great name, Vitek Vanacek. Um, I like that. And he got hurt on the second goal that he gave up in the Boston game. And so they had to bring in Craig Anderson, who Craig Anderson's last playoff game, fun fact, was in 2017. It was game seven of the conference final, Sens versus Penguins. And Chris Kunitz Kunitz scored a double overtime goal to beat the Senators. But he's, all of that to say, he's really old. Um, And so, yeah, he came in and had had a personal shutout. And so a lot of people are happy for him. I don't know it's a good plan to have him be your goalie going forward, but they don't exactly have like infinite choices. So like, I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but I really like the players on the team. So Boston with Taylor Hall, Patrice Bergeron I don't really like Brad Marchand but other teams playing bad Marchand kind of same I feel the same about Tom Wilson other teams playing Tom Wilson mm-hmm. less so about Tom Wilson I kind of just think he shouldn't be in the league but then like John Carlson on defense there's it's a lot of really interesting players and so I'm very curious how that one's gonna go and because we were three for three until um 
Tampa Bay had to go and mess it up. We were three for three of the first three games went into overtime. Uh, Washington won the first game in overtime. So we shall see uh, what happens there. Do you- I'm glad the Stars passed on their um, overtime curse. To like everyone. Yeah. That reminds me, after this, I have something to share with you. Okay. Central Division, um, Carolina, Nashville. Carolina is way better than Nashville, should beat Nashville. Only chance I think Nashville has is UC Soros, who has been amazing of late, but I just think Carolina's too good. Florida, Tampa Bay. Okay, we did not know, because in the regular season, there was a game where there was like 100 penalty minutes between the two of them. Yeah. We did not know what this playoff series was going to be like. Honestly, my favorite game of the four games that I've seen so far. It was so hype. Like, there were a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Florida, obviously, it was they were only partially full. But usually, I was part of me was like, it's going to be partially full, and they're not even going to sell all the tickets they have because that's what Florida's like. Yeah. One, I told my mom there was a time where regular season games and like far away seats six dollars. Like my mom said, you have to pay more to go see a movie than to see a professional <laughs> hockey team so I was not totally sure how to cut but they were so into it the game was so like electric and so much like good plays and just a real skill game it was so fun to watch Tampa it was back and forth tied Tampa scored with like a minute and a half to go and that's how they won it in regulation so the game winning goal the earliest the game winning goal was scored was with a minute and a half left in regulation so we've had a really exciting it's lived up to everything that playoff hockey is so far but with that I wanted to talk about the athletic they do um power rankings and they have their power rankings and of course they have the 16 playoff teams but then in honor of team seasons that came to an end they did haikus for the teams that are, are no longer. So I thought it might be good just to read them. Some of them need no comment. <laughs> at 31, our favorite Buffalo Sabres. Jack is mad at them. Everything is somehow worse. Hey, Bill's Steelers week one. Um, Anaheim Ducks. So I should ri- note, these are written by either Sean Fitzgerald, Sean somebody, Sean Gentilly, or um, Dom LeCision, who I love Dom, he's so funny. I was going to say, if Dom's not one of the ones that wrote these, I'd be surprised. You'll know who wrote the Anaheim Ducks one. Sean left me the Ducks. Most boring team in hockey. Nothing left to say. (laughs) Columbus Blue Jackets. Patrick Laine's year. Tied with Felino in four points. Nick? Nope. It's Marcus. A.K.A. He's tied with the worst Felino in points. Um, One of my favorite, the New Jersey Devils. Mackenzie Blackwood. Miles Wood. And Scott Wedgwood too. Which wood is best wood? That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, Detroit Red Wings. Six fewest in points. And we all know what that means. Eighth pick in the draft. Yeah. Vancouver Canucks. Shades of Chicago. Best team north of the border. Ha. Huh, not even close. Ottawa Senators. Nice young guys. Sickos. The future's bright. What's not to like? looks at the owner's box (laughs) which is very accurate los angeles king plan for next season uh anze eichel and byfield at sea pacific champs neat san jose sharks half the cap on five four more years already washed good luck with that doug 
basically saying they have a lot of money with old guys. Calgary Flames. This team was alive for the fourth spot on Monday. How? 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 Why? How? <laughs> I like that. Uh, Arizona Coyotes. Kachina jersey. The Space Coyote logo. All we talk about. Philadelphia Flyers. Not bad for a team that we once ranked a spot behind the Suez Canal boat. If you all remember that from <laughs> uh, the Chicago Badcocks, Kevin Lankinen putting Dom's kids through college. The clock stru- struck midnight. Uh, Dom has a crush on Kevin Lankinen because of all the money he made him on bets. Um, New York Rangers, Dolan is engaged. Eichel is available. Hold on to your butts. And then I'm going to skip, or 17, the very last one. So the top of the eliminated teams belongs to the Dallas Stars. And the reason I wanted to read these, the Stars few constants, overtime games, chaos, and Rupe Hint, game time decision, groin. Truly. I was like, that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? That, uh, that's, that's the season. So there you go. That's that's your summary of the season. And with that, I think it's time for rant and rave. Yes. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Um, because what what's a podcast episode without talking about baseball unwritten rules again? Yeah. Um. So May eighth, ninth. I can't remember what day. Uh, the Dodgers and the Angels were playing each other. And the Dodgers were winning like 14 to one after like four innings. It was crazy. Um, they, they still won the game, but the game ended 14, 11. So the angels made an attempt um, at the end of the game. The Dodgers managers had something to say. And um, clearly as uh, the tweet that I found um, from Brent McGuire MLB managers can't decide if you're supposed to stop trying when you're losing by a ton or winning by a ton. Because if you remember last season, Fernando Tatis Jr. was not supposed to swing 3-0 to hit a grand slam because he was up by seven in the eighth. So, you know, you're supposed to stop trying at some point when you're winning by a lot. But apparently you're also supposed to stop trying when you're losing by a lot because um, the Angels player uh, Taylor Ward bunted when they had a 13-run deficit. And Dave Roberts said, it's just not a good baseball play. Any way you slice it, not a good baseball play. He's mad that a team decided, hey, let's bunt for a hit. We're down 13 runs. I mean, they came back to score 11 runs. It's not like the game was out of reach, clearly. Yeah, well, and also, like, these guys are playing for more than just that game, like, they're playing for positions and contracts and right. stuff like that. So, like, it does kind of matter. And, like, my other thing is it wasn't like they were in the 13-run deficit and being no hit. Because I do kind of understand the unwritten rule that, like, if you're being no hit, if it's, like, the seventh inning or on, you don't try to bunt for a hit. Because that just seems kind of like. That's a cheap way to end a no-hitter. Yeah. It seems I very. I kind of get that. Yeah. That one, that's, like, the only unwritten rule that I'm, like, Okay, that makes sense. I get it. Um, but, like, you can bunt before the sixth inning. Like, that's fine. But I have never heard where if you're, like, 
losing by 10 plus runs, you're not allowed to bunt. Like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why he would even say that, especially the fact that he said that after the game in which the final score was 14-11 and you're mad at a bunt when it was 14-1. Which you kind of proved why Why you should bunt. Yeah. Because I I don't necessarily – I don't necessarily know if the bunt happened in an inning that, like, ended up them scoring, like, seven runs or whatever. I don't know if that led to anything or if he's just mad that he bunted. But it's like this is why everyone who maybe is new to the game and finds an interest then hears this bickering about some stupid thing and is like, well, maybe I don't want to because why bother if everything is the wrong way to play? Yeah, like, no one knows what the right way to play is. Right? And, like, can we decide, should you stop trying after you're ahead, or should you stop trying once you're too far behind? Like, pick one. It can't be both. I mean, okay, so do you want us just to throw the mascots for both teams out there and have, like, a wrestling match and end the game? It kind of sounds like if you're winning by more than seven, stop trying to win, and if you're losing by more than ten, stop trying to win. But I'm pretty sure winning is the whole point of the game. Everyone is literally trying to win the game. And it's like, you know what? We pay these guys millions of dollars. So they need to know when to stop trying. Right? It it boggles my mind. Like, how do you say something and listen back and like, yeah, I sound smart. That makes sense. It's like the it's the hockey man, but baseball, but applied to baseball mentality. Like, you think you sound brilliant because everyone else says the similar sort of thing and you don't realize that to people who aren't yeah like so far gone it's (laughs) idiotic um so speaking of stupid um the nhl so (laughs) end rant that's all it is (laughs) (laughs) the end of the rant that's all i need to say um they so vancouver was ravaged by covid to end the season and so it kind of happened because all of the games are in division that basically it was apparent the North was going to have to extend their end date. But then everyone asked the very salient question of why, because <laughs> right when every other division was wrapping up, the North had all of it. It wasn't even just like, oh, it's for position or anything. All of the playoff spots were decided all of the positions were decided. I'm not exactly understanding what we were plan- what we were planning. So, like, I gotta pull this up on my phone. Like the schedule we had last night, we had the following um, hockey schedule that was like the most anticlimactic thing. So we've got at eleven. It was Islanders, Penguins, uh, Islanders won 4-3 in overtime in game one of their series. Wild Knights at like 2-30. Uh, Wild won 1-0 OT. At 6-30, we had Lightning Panthers, Lightning won 5-4. And then at like 8 or 9 o'clock, we had Flames Canucks. They were both eliminated. So it was a meaningless regular season game that influenced nothing. So what was the point of that? What did that accomplish? Who who really needed that? I'm not sure. Like, 
it honestly seemed like the biggest the 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 team was like in the middle like hey we got pictures from the first period let us know who you want to see and then was just responding to fan requests for pictures and stuff like that because what is there to even talk about hey we're eliminated and playing this game that influences nothing let's have a blast like right it's just so idiotic and honestly so nhl because it's like well everyone has to play 82 games it's only fair fair for what right what would change like i don't get it nothing and there's no fans because it's the canadian division so it's not like i don't get it like at most uh, it affects like individual player stats but even then I don't know if it's enough games to really matter that much but then people were also talking about like like tv and I'm sitting there I'm like were they really that itching for a a meaningless game like the preseason games because that's basically what this was yeah and there was a a playoff game going on for the first part of this game so I don't understand like what we accomplished I literally I looked at the schedule and then texted you and was like why is there a regular season game schedule because that yeah. seems pointless and it is but mm-hmm. NHL so that is my rant uh my rave is hockey related it's like a week old now but I still think it's cute so um there was a video posted on Twitter and a Senators player got their first NHL hat trick. I don't Tim know who Stutzla. the player was. Who? Tim Stutzla. Him. He got his first NHL hat trick. And of course, like Laura said, Canada teams do not have fans. So local kids like showed up at his house and threw hats over the fence. And it's the cutest thing ever. And I just, it's the freaking most adorable thing ever. Cause like in my mind, I'm thinking all these kids got together and they were like, Hey, he's probably sad. He didn't get hats thrown at him for his hat trick. Let's go throw him hats. Like it, it kind of reminds me, there was also a video recently after the NFL draft of, and I don't know who it was, but um, a player was drafted and like local kids walked by him at his house and like high-fived him and congratulated him and it was just it's just the most adorable thing to see kids like interact with professional like athletes who live in their neighborhood and they're like we know this guy we gotta celebrate him kind of a thing um real quick though someone in like the replies was like yeah this is a really great idea when like there's a variant blah 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 literally every kid I'm looking at is wearing a mask they're actually social distanced from the player too if you want to be really nitpicky and the adults in the video are also wearing masks so that person can just go away stfu yeah and stop ruining the cuteness because this is why we can't have nice things right it's like i'm not good at estimating numbers but i swear to god it's like 20 or 30 kids it's like if a whole classroom of kids just came in through hats at your backyard it's I ha- so the funny thing is this was going to be my rave too and you <laughs> said and I forgot that it was going to be your rave, but I have more to add to it because yes. um, I listened to the Staff and Graph podcast, which is uh-huh. Rachel's story. And she was explaining this because she knows some people in Ottawa. Oh my gosh. And she was like, so this is like, is that, they obviously don't live in downtown. They live in like a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And apparently 
apparently this is like a neighborhood a lot of players live in and so brady kachuk who it's brady's house and okay i was he was tagged in the video so i wasn't sure if like he was there or not so it's brady and he lets josh norris who's also a rookie and that tim stutzla live with him and obviously so it's like three like brady's the old man and he's like 23 or 24 um three kids in like family neighborhood Mm -hmm. and it could go really wrong but no he has a group chat that he organized for the neighborhood to like talk about things and then he'll just like come out and be like hey do you guys want to play hockey and like just play street hockey with the guys and they like love being in the neighborhood and like playing with kids and stuff like that so all the kids love these guys because they're so involved in the neighborhood and that's why they're like he got a hat trick but he didn't get like his hat trick that's why they organized it oh I love that so much they used like the group chat or whatever but or like they started a group chat and Brady like or like Brady was in on it and was like this is awesome we're gonna do this and so that's how like they brought him out to the backyard and like because Brady was did all of that and then they did the hat trick it's the most adorable I think every hat trick needs to be celebrated like this it's just so cute and I just but I love the whole story of like yeah you hear of jocks being like kind of jerks or whatever Mm -hmm. and there definitely are those people in hockey players but just to have that humility and to engage the fans like okay look at the picture if you look at the video so many of them are wearing number seven which is uh Kachuk yeah and so it's like they brought in all these fans and like uh Rachel Dory was talking about someone else who was um not like it was when some other previous people were living in that same neighborhood and did a similar sort of thing. It's like my friend who lived in that neighborhood was not a hockey fan or a Senators fan, but loved the Senators after this because they were so involved in the community. Yeah. So I'm, it's literally just playing on a loop right now Me as too. we're talking about it. <laughs> Me too. We're both watching this on a loop. It's so awesome. So that's your, your feel good. It, it's like if you ever have it saved. So if you ever are having a bad day, it's impossible sure. to watch this and not smile. So, well, with that, I guess we'll see you all next week where there will be a lot more to talk about in the playoffs and more in, in MLB, I'm sure. And have a good week, everyone.